Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. On 2-1 pitch. And a drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. A game-winning grand slam home run off the bat of Robin Ventura. Hey. And it's hit deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run by Piazza. And the Mets lead three to two. Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track, right at the fence. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year for Brandon Nimmo! He took a home run away from Justin Turner! Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, And welcome to another episode of the Shea Hello podcast. My name is Casey Lind. I am joined by my co-host Bill Pulsifer as this is episode number 13. Baker's Dozen, lucky number 13 on Halloween week. Bill, how are you doing? And are you superstitious? Because this is number th lucky 13 or whatever you want to call it. I am very, I am very superstitious. We're going to go with the Edgardo Alfonso luck, though, so we're going to be all right. I like that. I was thinking of 13 for the Mets. Billy Wagner, Fonzie, uh, there's others, but those two stand out for me. Absolutely. Um, we'd like to thank our producer. Uh, shout out to Stephen White behind the scenes. He has a website that I recommend you checking out, roots-recordings.com. He also has a podcast that I've subscribed to, and it's awesome, cold, hard or Cold Pop Cast, Cold Pop Cast. Uh, subscribe to his podcast. It is, uh, it's awesome. And thanks to Steve behind the scenes. How are you doing today, Bill? I'm well. I'm doing good. You know, World Series going on, so uh, that's exciting. It's been been exciting for sure. Halloween week, World Series is underway, and uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes with the Mets, but. Uh, let's start since we brought it up or you brought it up with the world series. We, uh, we talked about it off the air, uh, game three, which was earlier this week, the winner, if it was tied in the world series at one, one Arizona, Texas, the winner of game three, which was held on Monday, 69% of the time, let's call it 70, seven out of 10 times goes on to win the world series. I believe it's 68 out of 98 times that's happened. So it's a good number, a hundred game sample size or series sample size. Texas won that game three to one. Scherzer started. I'll get into Scherzer later. Um, so with that stat being uh, given and you've been watching the world series, like I have seen the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. So what are your thoughts so far on the world series? And ultimately who's going to win it? Uh, I think it's been fantastic so far. Obviously, game one was tremendous. Uh, game two, a little more lopsided. Very good ball game on Monday night. Um, 
I, I, I totally agree with the, the game three thing. It's kind of like a one, one count uh, yeah. with a pitcher and the batter. You kind of want to win that count. You know, you yeah. want to get that, that to that one and two count as a pitcher to, to, to take the, the control of the at bat. I feel like it's kind of the same thing in the world series or in, in any series. Um, obviously looking forward to the game, game four. Um, who knows what's going to happen? You know, never say die to the Diamondbacks. What are they, the, the comebacks? The, you know, they, uh, they, never, they never give up. So I don't put anything past anybody. Like I said last week, it's so hard to predict baseball. Um, that I really don't like doing it. I know. And, I, uh, when I asked you that question, you know, who's going to win, I was like, ah, fuck, Bill well, Heath's you know predicting. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been wrong. I've been wrong. Everybody that I felt, We're all wrong. I felt <laughs> positive about, I've, I've struck out. But um, yeah. I do still like the Rangers, but I wouldn't put anything past the Diamondbacks at this point because they've proven that they belong there regardless of what their, uh, their regular season record was. And, uh, it's been very exciting. I'll agree with that. I like the Rangers to win it. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but when you take a 2-1 lead, and, and disclaimer for everybody watching or listening, we're recording this before game four. So as of right now, it's 2-1 Texas. We don't know what's going to happen. But as of right now, their game four is going to be in a couple hours. I do like Texas. But just like Bill said, Arizona has been playing with house money this whole postseason and i'm sure you could attest to this as someone who's played in professional sports basically uh half their life when you're when the pressure's off you you seem to relax more and and it just comes more natural am i wrong because that's how arizona's playing you're you're absolutely right i mean your assessment's great um they're very young team obviously other than longoria uh who's who's uh you know veteran type player (laughs) Can't can't ask for anything more for his leadership. I'm sure yeah. to do uh, what he does with all those young players or exciting young players. They don't know any better, you know, to to be anxious or to be nervous or anything like that. And they're they're playing like it. Um, obviously, the play with the uh, not being stopped at third base the other uh, the other night coming around. Man, I don't know no. why Walker was thinking he was going to score anyway. I know the third base coach was a little late, but uh, I don't. I didn't think he was scoring from the time the ball was hit. But that definitely was a huge momentum swing, and as That's- it turns out. That's on the third base coach, though, right? Well, I mean, he was late, but I feel like the I feel like just reading the ball off the bat. That True. He he was going to go for th- third, and that's it. And then yeah. hopefully the ball gets thrown to third, and you can take that base behind and be second and third, and nobody out, and you got something going there. Well, for everyone watching or listening, we're talking about uh, game three. I believe it was in uh, it was Tommy Fan who uh, singled into right field, and it was Moreno. I believe, right? The catcher for the Rangers who was rounding third off a double. Walker. Walker. Christian Walker. Who had a leadoff double. Off a Scherzer that was 400 feet that I believe would have been a home run anywhere else. He picked right center and it probably would have, you know, been a home run. Anyway, next pitch, Tommy Pham uh, hits the crap out of the ball to right. Third base coach is waving him around like hardcore. And at the last second, which Walker doesn't see because he saw the third base coach waving him around. He put his head down and put it into extra gear. To me, that's on the third base coach because Walker saw that and said, all right, he's sending me, I'm going home. You know, yeah. uh, to me, it's on the third base coach. There were, I believe, there were no outs. So yeah. I don't, you shouldn't have sent them hindsight's 2020, 20, but with no outs, leave them at third. It was like, it was hard hit. Like you said, and he probably should have stopped at third. But you've seen this all the time, like I have. Your third base coach is adamantly waving you around third base. You're going right. Yeah, I'm sure he probably when 
I would think that when the ball was hit, he wasn't thinking about scoring. I think he was probably thinking about getting to third. And then when he saw the coach doing what he was doing, waving him around, he maybe he felt like the ball was maybe misplayed behind him because he wasn't seeing exactly. What was going on. So right, yeah, right. That was unfortunate. I, I, unfortunate for the for the third base coach, and unfortunate for the for the D backs because that was a huge momentum swing. Yeah, and fortunate for Scherzer because the next batter, two batters later, he got uh, hit by a line drive off what they thought it was his elbow. It turned out to be his back, low back, and, it, yeah. and it, it went deflected right to the third baseman, and he got out of the inning. He was hit hard, but he allowed zero runs. And Scherzer was taken out of the game after three innings. He wanted to come out for the fourth. And his back tightened up. Now, Bill knows how I feel about Scherzer. I'm not the only Met fan that feels this way. I am not saying I hate Scherzer because I don't. I'm just sick of Scherzer with the excuses. And I know his body is betraying him as he's older. But it's you can rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat with Mr. Scherzer. He comes out of the game early and he has an excuse. And it's always, I know what it is. It's a minor fix. I'll be good in 48 hours. Well, okay, that's fine. But when it happens every single start and you're out of the game in the third inning, you know, you're putting your team in a really bad spot as a starting pitcher. Yeah, well, obviously it wasn't optimum. And uh, it is unfortunate what he's going through. Father time uh, is undefeated, obviously. But I tell you what, it was very impressive uh, what John Gray came in and did after that. And he he was fantastic, to be honest with you. He looked, he looked like two times the pitcher the Scherzer is at this point in time. Three, so, uh, three shutout innings for John Gray, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if, if things don't uh, turn around for Scherzer and he's not ready to go, that probably puts uh, John, uh, John Gray as a starting pitcher in a possible game seven. Uh, even though he looked really, really outstanding the other night, still those uh, that first start in the World Series jitters, looking forward to that in, in game seven could be something to, uh, yeah. to possibly be a hindrance to him and his team. But he was phenomenal the other night. And they had the luxury of having John Gray, who came over as a free agent from the Rockies, giving him $60 million to be basically uh, backing Max Scherzer, you know, having – which was – at one time, John Gray was an ace. You know, that's a luxury that Bochy has, and he played it well, you yeah. know, so – he looked like an he looked like an ace the other night. I'll tell you that he was he was fantastic. He did, and as you know, I'm sure you would agree with me. I don't really have a dog, or I, I hate using that word right now. Um, I don't really have any skin in the game, but I would love to see a game seven on Saturday night if we see a John Gray. I mean, who wouldn't want to see Game Seven World right. Series? Well, obviously, Game Seven is uh, what everybody when you're a kid in your backyard. That's what you're talking about. Game Seven, bases yeah. loaded, full count. So. Um, Definitely would like to see it play out like that because again, I got no skin in the game either. I'm just enjoying enjoying the baseball and uh, enjoying you know the fall classic for for what it is. And um, yeah. I'm hoping for a good ball game tonight, uh, game four, and yeah. uh, maybe they tie it up and you know they'll go back and forth. Well, we shall see. Um, it's been the lowest rated watched World Series, uh, but I get it because of you know Arizona, Texas fan bases, markets. But as purists of baseball fandoms, who cares? <laughs> I, I, I agree, and I, it's a shame. But um, I think it's kind of cool to see what the Diamondbacks have done to reach this this point with the style of baseball that they play, as opposed to the style of baseball that the majority of MLB is going after. You know. But yeah. through two through two games, they had five sacrifice bunts, which uh, there seems it might not have had five sacrifice uh, sacrifice bunts all year. So it's kind of cool to see an old school version of the game get played a little bit. Now, did we talk about this? Because I, I I 
I definitely talked about it with someone, and I can't remember if it was with you. The Diamondbacks, exactly what you just said, are kind of transcending a new trend here with sacrifice bunts and stolen bases. They've set a record, I believe, for most consecutive games with multiple stolen bases or something in the playoffs. You know, basketball, the NBA is a copycat, a copycat league where out of nowhere, three-pointers were raining from the Warriors and Steph Curry, and everybody tried to copy it, and it hasn't changed. I'm seeing the Diamondbacks, like you said, with sack bunts, stolen bases, speed. They don't have a power hitter. You know, who is it? You know, Walker? Okay. Do you see maybe teams trying to emulate this formula? I would, Granted, 84 wins, that's it. But. Yeah, but you know what? They kind of, they're a very, very young team. They got off to a very, very hot start and then they kind of hit a lull and then they ramped up at the right time. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do moving forward because I think that 84 wins, obviously they play in a tough division out west with some good yeah. teams, but um, I think they're going to be competitive for years to come. Well, back yeah. to your point though. Um, I would think that the stolen base is going to become more and more important, especially because the way that velocity has came up in the game and pitchers, especially relief pitchers, abandoning trying to be quick to home plate. Uh, you know, guys, they, they, when I was coming through, the, the magic number was 1.3 seconds to the plate to try to give your catcher a, a chance. Uh, so basically, you were almost in a modified slide step all the time out of the stretch. Um, as the game got away from stealing bases, you'd see the pitchers were lifting their legs completely. We'll use Noah Syndergaard as, as, a, as an example. And you could just run wild on him before the, even the, the rule change. Right. So I think that you're going to see teams emulate them in the fact that base, stealing bases is going to become more and more important. And then the reaction is going to obviously be that the pitchers are going to have to learn how to be quick to the plate again and still be able to deliver the ball with the good stuff. Every time that we, we, we do these podcasts and I have our notes about what we're going to talk about, we, uh, you know, there's thousands of thoughts that go in my head because you bring up these great points. And, <laughs> and so I got to ask you as a left-handed pitcher who's had success, um, is it tougher in your opinion to steal off a left-hander than it is a right-hander? Um, Cause there are right-handers that have great pickoff moves that are quick to the plate. It's not just about your move. As you know, it's about your timing, just, you know, to the plate. Um, but I've always heard and I've seen, in my opinion, lefties do have the advantage because they're looking right at you and the balk is 50-50 for an umpire. You tell me. You live it. Think you're, I think you're right. I mean, obviously, you get a chance to look right at the guy. You've got a better chance to try to read what he's doing over there, kind of check his lead to see what he looks a little bit different. You, anytime you get a, a chance to look right at him, I feel like you have a little bit of an advantage. And I always felt like as a left-handed pitcher, you didn't have to slide step as often as a right-handed pitcher needs to slide step. Now, like we said, they're kind of abandoning that. And if you watch the game tonight, you'll see a lot of the guys with runners on, they're still, you know, one, four, five, one, five, one, six to the plate. Right. So um, I think, yes, definitely advantage for a lefty looking at them. I would agree. Um, not to say that righties are not, you know, I, I, Taiwan Walker comes to mind. Yes. Qu quick as a cat with yeah. that, you know, and he's a huge dude. So yeah. very uh, impressive. You know, but then you got Adam Adovino, who's a big dude, and he literally is. I, I can steal every base under the good sun. Good example against of a guy, good example of a guy that hasn't been able to adapt yet with uh, speeding up his delivery a little bit in order to uh, keep the runner close as well as be able to to deliver um, deliver a good pitch. So we just brought up a couple. Uh, a former Met in Taiwan Walker, Adam Adovino has a player option. I don't see him going anywhere for seven and a half million dollars after the year he had. So we'll we'll call Adam Adovino a current Met. Well, technically he is. So let's let's do a little Mets baseball talk, Bill. Let's do it. GM meetings are a week 
or so from now, midweek uh, next week. And I would assume Craig Council, who is now interviewed with the Cleveland Indians, and it has come out the New York Mets, will have a, either staying put in Milwaukee or a new job. Or I don't see him taking a year off. By this time, let's say midweek next week, you know, so what is that? Uh, before November 7th, okay? A couple of days earlier, I don't know. That's my my prediction. I'm sure he has no interest in Cleveland because why wouldn't he just stay in Milwaukee? Um, it, it, the Mets don't leak anything, and it just came out that, oh, he interviewed with the Mets, but a day before it wasn't, Mets have not interviewed anybody. The Mets have, again, don't leak anything. We have not heard about them interviewing one manager, one. So I feel like David Stearns, who is, all reports say him and Council have a great working relationship. They're putting all their eggs in this basket, and they know the answer already. And it, if you connect the dots, they haven't interviewed anyone else that we know of. I'm sure they have. You actually have to interview a minority uh, manager for the, the C League rule. Um, could they have interviewed jo Joey Cora, Eric Chavez? Of course. Um, my guess, Craig Council, is going to be the New York Mets manager soon. It could be Thursday when there's an off day for the World Series after Game 5, or it could be next week before the general manager's meeting. That's my prediction. Uh, I know you don't like predicting things, but what do you see unfolding? No prediction, Bill, don't worry, with Craig Council and everything that's going on with him because he's the talk right now. Well, I think we've said in, in, in uh, past podcasts that he was kind of uh, the guy that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I would not be surprised. Um, obviously, sooner rather than later, the fan base would like to hear what's going on when it comes to general manager and manager. So I think it would be exciting. Yeah, I, I like I would like that move. I think it would be good for the organization. Um, we've talked about in the past, you know, the successes that he's had in a small market team. Uh, I don't think coming to New York would change him one bit. I think he's unflappable when it comes to you know, pressure or anything like that. You know, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's an issue with him. Um, I know I told you who my dark horse is, but it ain't going to happen. But I like Ron. I Washington. love it, though. I like Ron, Ron Washington. Washington a lot. I think it would be great. I think he deserves another shot at it. You know, he was just a couple outs away from the World Series. But um, outs? I, he was one strike away. <laughs> right. Oh, um, that's tough. And I'm sure <laughs> he rues that. I'm sure he does. But uh, Council, if that's the guy, man, I think that's a great a, a great move uh, and, a, and great for the future of the organization. Yeah, I'll, I will keep it at that. We both agree that Council is the guy. Stearns, obviously, is a major reason why. Um, and if it's not Council, I don't know what plan B would be. I'm sure Stearns has a plan B. Um, maybe he does it because he knows Stern, uh, Council is coming. But I would hope by our next podcast, the Mets have Council. If they don't, I have no freaking clue who it would be because – no one does, you know? Yep. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, that, that should be fascinating because you got to get a manager in quick. Uh, I, I, you brought up the GM and all that. There hasn't been any uh, momentum with the Mets getting a GM. Billy Epler resigned. Resigned. And I did that in quotes if you're, by the way, listening anywhere. Stearns could be the GM, you know, yeah. easily. So manager – Maybe a GM, not an imperative. Stearns can do it. And then go get yourself a 2024 team. Um, with that being said, we did a, a couple of these. I wanted to get your takes on it. Uh, 
we have the Shea Hello Media newsletter that is free. If you go to uh, our Instagram, Shea Hello Media, our Twitter, Shea underscore hello on Twitter or formerly known as Twitter X. I call it Twitter still. I, I just uh, go with formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> it's so hard. I mean. It is, but it's obnoxious, so I just do it. Yeah. Formerly it's fine. known as. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Shalo Media. Uh, click Linktree. Uh, and under newsletter, we are doing 2023 report cards for players uh, under contract. So no Scherzer, no Verlander, no Canna, no Fam. They're traded. But we're doing current players. So we've, we've done this in, uh, pod, a couple podcasts ago. So a couple grades you know. I'm going to read off the names that we've done so far. And you tell me if you agree with the grade. And if you don't, what would it be? A couple you do know already, but a couple I'm sure you don't. You right. good with that? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Brandon Nimmo. I gave him an A-. minus. Um... I, I need hey, that. I, it's your, it's I your. Think I, listen, man, I love the guy. I'm going to go with the solid B, B, almost, almost plus. Yeah. I, I don't want to lose too many points on that batting average. I don't want, you know, I know I harp about it and people say it don't matter, but it's bullshit. He, we, as we talked about with Nimmo, he kind of sacrificed a little of the average for the power, set the career home runs in power. A minus B. Okay. Right there. I, I, can we let's meet in the middle then? B plus. I, I I like that. Fine, Brandon Nimmo from Bill and I on the Shalo podcast. B plus. Pete Alonzo, B plus. And I know you're going to bring up average again. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go just below with the B. I mean, I think obviously improved on defense. Uh, had the power numbers. Cut him some slack, like we said before, because of the injury and then coming back too soon. But yeah. uh, solid B, solid B for Pete. All right, I'm, I'm full. I'm hoping to bounce back in that 265 range this year. He, I, I think he will. Uh, that walk year always seems to do it. And uh, yeah, he's got. Um, he's going to be a man on a mission. Hope, yeah, I, I hope. hope for, I hope for health. I hope for and, health for him. Of course, health and also maybe an average judge type of walk year, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, B is fine. Uh, Lindor A minus. Good. I'm not. I'm, A's are hard, man. A's 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 is, A's is right up there. I got. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, You're a tough teacher, I guess, or a critic. I am. Or I am. A, hard, dude, A is like. I, I respect it. A is up there. That's that's hard. I'm gonna give a solid B with him as well. It's fine. Uh, you know what? I gotta cut. I'm gonna say B plus because he struggled early on with the batting average, and he was able to bring it up to 250. So yeah, props to him for that. And uh, I, we've said it in, in podcasts in the past. We got to cut down the strikeouts a little bit from the left-handed side of the plate. Yeah, and he's much better from the right-handed side with power too. So, um, okay. When I say A minus and you say B, I don't see a huge discrepancy there. No, no, there's you not know. a huge difference. You're gonna hate the next one because I gave him an A. Senga, Kodai Senga, A, not I, an A plus. I a. got an A, an A. I mean, obviously he's got to get to the five days, the five days yep. resting. Um, Obviously, the innings, you know, the days of seven innings every t- every single time you go out there it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. But as the season went on, it looked like he was getting through seven quite a bit and getting into the seventh quite a bit. Um, so the getting on a regular five-day rest or, you know, four days of rest and pitching on the fifth day. But I agree with you. I like A. I like A for Senga. 
Yeah, uh, we could only just go by his rookie year. I, I don't know how you coming over from Japan, new baseball, new atmosphere, new country for Christ's sake. Yeah. And he he had statistically the best rookie pitching season other than that good in the Mets history. That's an you A. know that's, that's an A. A. All right, now we'll get more in your wheelhouse because the grades, as we go with more players, get a little more uh, not pretty, if <laughs> if you will. Jeff McNeil, C. I, I'm right with you there. I, I see his average not on the scale. Average. I'm, I'm sure he would probably grade himself right there too, because I'm sure he's as hard his worst critic and hard is hard on himself to his detriment, in my opinion. His hard. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what? Some guys. If he was Mr. Happy, I don't think he would be the ball player he is either. So some guys have to kind of play with that edge, and everybody's a little bit different, even though you can kind of pigeonhole guys into certain types of players, and that's just kind of the type of player that he is. I think if he was Mr. Happy, he wouldn't have that edge. So I think that's what makes him the ball player that he is, is the edge. It's funny because – go ahead, yeah. I I was going to say, he's probably heard his whole life that he wasn't supposed to do it. You know, he wasn't big enough, strong enough, everything enough. You know, so he's – He's played with the chip on his shoulder since he was a young man. Yeah. He's still a um, young man, but uh, when he was yeah. a kid. I, I, I find it a little funny just because I need to find the little, the little things that I find funny in life right now. C, average, and obviously Jeff McNeil, his average dropped 60 points off, off a batting title. We could give him worse of a C, but his versatile defense playing everywhere, his passion, and the fact that he's in the lineup every fucking day, uh, it, you know, there you go. There's a lot to be said about changing positions every other night, changing your spot in the batting order. Yeah. So, you know, we got baseball is like a routine. You like to be in it. You know, I know nine times out of 10, I'm going to be walking in. I'm going to look at that scorecard and I'm going to see, okay, I'm right there. And that's my position. And that's where I am. You know, you almost to the point where you don't need to check it. Uh, yeah. So I think that that's probably in a, something that affects him a little bit, you know, especially because he's such a, fiery guy you know he might be a little bit pissed off on certain nights i was hitting second last night now i'm hitting seventh i was in left field now I'm playing second base nobody else has happened to do this you know so. I th- to your point i think he's embraced it i mean because he's so above average at doing it even mid-game you know uh, second base to left field to right field you know and he's above average playing it. They have the gold glove finalists out there and they made the new gold glove uh category of uh, utility. Yeah, he should have been a top three finalist. Well, then I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a plus on the side of his C simply because he <laughs> does things that the majority of people don't do anymore. There you go. Bill just actually gave a better grade than go. I did. That's I love it for everything. Francisco Alvarez. Now this is a tough one because he was streaky as hell and he was a rookie at 21. I gave him a B. I'm a C plus for him. There's some okay. improvement that I'd like to see. Uh, and not so much, I mean, obviously batting averages, again, we can say, uh, he fell off a little bit, but, um, again, I don't know if last year was the same cases, uh, in what it is in the minor leagues now where you have the mandatory day off. So uh, if it was that the case last year, then maybe that this year playing on an everyday basis, obviously you do have your, your, your days off, but it's 162 games in 180 days. Yeah. So there's, there's not a lot of days off, um, uh, he got a lot of praise defensively. Me personally, I don't see it. Uh, but besides maybe blocking the ball, I don't Fra- know. Framing? I mean, framing was a plus. You know what? Taking a ball from two feet one way and pulling the glove into the middle, if that's framing, then uh, what are we going to do when the automated strike zone comes in? Because that's going to be outdated and not needed anymore. 
You know, in my day, the umpires would have told him right away to cut the shit out. Uh, The umpires have given in, apparently, because that's a thing now. Um, I don't like the no target. Everybody's so afraid that everybody's telling everybody what's coming (laughs) now because of 2017. So thanks a lot, Astros, for kind of ruining the game a little bit. But um, as pitchers, we throw to what we see. I don't see a target from him all that much. I see a lot of movement from one knee to the next prior to the, the pitch being thrown. I know I sound like an old, uh, grumpy, gr- old grumpy pitcher, but these are the things that I see personally. I don't. I wouldn't particularly care to throw to him. Okay. I think he's uh, got a lot of potential. I'd like to see him calm everything down behind the plate with the movement and start showing people where you want the ball to be thrown. You're actually making me do a Bill Pulsifer here, and, and I'm going to worsen his grade because um, you, you've influenced me. Uh, I'm going to go B to a, a, a B minus, not the biggest deal in the world, only because, you know, he had such a stretch where he was not existent at the plate. So I think the the weeks that he was hot, obviously stick in your mind more. Right. He was in the, the all star break, right? I mean, he was yeah. on fire. You know? That's what I'm, yeah. And then after the all star break, he was non existent. Uh, so, but I always tell myself 21 years old. Absolutely. P- you know, there's a lot of potential there. He's got tremendous power. He's learned English. He wants to talk to reporters in a second language. I got to respect that. Absolutely. Uh, so be, I'll give him a B minus. B minus. Francisco Alvarez. Uh, we'll go through these quickly. Uh, Quintana, Jose Quintana. Now he missed all of the first half with a rib injury. He came back. He made 13 starts, and I believe he had like eight quality starts out of the 13. Threw some great innings for the Mets. I'm very nice here with this grade. I feel like you're not going to be B plus. He pitched great. I thought he was great too. Uh, I'm going to go only B simply because of the time missed, but um, love everything about the guy. Wish he had two or three extra miles an hour on there, especially because as he's getting a little bit older, but that cutter that he throws hard into righties. I love it. That was kind of my, my approach to pitching a little bit. So um, nice solid B and that's only because uh, of time missed. That's fine. I could easily see a B. I mean, he didn't miss half the year, 13 starts. So um, I'm just going to tell you what I gave Buck. We have spent way too much time on Buck. He's not even the manager anymore, but I did do the report card. D minus. Not good. I, I, like I've said in the past, I, I respect Buck as, for his longevity and what he's done for the game. But you I don't have to give a grade, but uh, I give him a D minus. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. Not good. Let's go back to some pitchers. Um, because uh, these are on the bubble pitchers for the back end of the rotation in 24. Uh, David Peterson, C-. minus. Now, I, I, let me give you a little background on everyone listening real quick. Started off really bad, demoted to the minors. Never want to see that. Had an 8-plus ERA. Came back to the Mets, started in the bullpen, got his spot in the rotation back, pitched to a 3-ish ERA above there, and effective. Not great. A lot of base runners. Whip was too high. But um, you saw some flashes there. First round draft pick in 2017. We're waiting, David. We're waiting. But from 2023, C-. Yeah, uh, obviously, C- is fair. I could go as high as possibly a C. Uh, Ah. Very inconsistent, obviously. I'm going to tell you this, man. I think I've said it before. The expectations, and we'll use – New York football quarterbacks as an example as well. Perfect. You can't just plug fucking kids in and expect them to be superstars right away. It does yeah. not happen. So the scrutiny that happens in New York from compared to what had happened in the nineties when it was 
plenty of scrutiny to nowadays with podcasts and Twitters and Instagrams and all that. These guys get to hear how much they suck all the fucking time. And it does affect them one way or the other. And if you're pitching for your job, whether you're going to be in the major leagues or in the minor leagues, from start to start, your chances of being successful are very diminished. So unfortunately, playing in New York and playing for a team that's spending the type of money they are and having the expectations that they are, it's going to be hard to develop young pitchers because you're the guy standing out there every single pitch with that ball in your hand as opposed to the guy that comes up once every four times and might get three or four balls hit to him during a game. So it is very difficult to develop uh, young pitching in New York, and I think you see that through Peterson. He really – and the next guy that we're going to do is McGill because they're kind of connected a little bit at the hip, lefty-righty. See above. Yeah. uh, uh, What did I give McGill? I gave him a C plus. Um, I would would throw them both right in the C range. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's call it a C. For both, you know? I, I expect obviously it's frustrating with these guys. Look, man, this is easy easy for me to say because I wasn't what I wanted to be. But when you saw McGill two years ago come out, and he's the names that are listed for strikeouts through their first five stars, six, uh-huh. stars. and I was on there for the first few, and I'm looking at the other names on there with Doc Gooden and Degrom and all that. Yeah, you would hope to have seen a little bit more growth from him. Um, strange this year with velocity being down as opposed to the year before when he was sitting 97 98 this year he was he got, fluctuating in the 94 to 96 range and then so at the strange. end of the year mcgill got back to 98 yeah, at the end of the year it's frustrating it. I, yeah i, I, I don't I get it either the guy that could fluctuate four five miles an hour on a fastball so a little bit strange would like to see a little more growth from him root for him I think I said this before on our podcast, spit the gum out, light a fire in your ass, and let's go, bro. The cool California kid. Lose the big whatever, the big drip. Lose all that bullshit and call yourself the beaned up maniac or something. Let's do it. Come on. (laughs) Oh, my God. His mother follows me on Twitter. I know. I'm 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 going to. She's a sweet lady, too. I see her on formerly known as. But I'm telling you, man, you got to light a fire, bro. Light a fire. You're going to be you're not going to be here anymore. Peterson and McGill, we'll, we'll just say around C. They're frustrating. They're inconsistent. I'm waiting for at least one of them to step up, you know, and it's, yep. they've had their opportunities. Uh, real quick, three more to go. Uh, Lucchese, Joey Lucchese. Now, miss all 22, Tommy John surgery, had a great start in uh, April of 2023, seven shutout innings against San Francisco, in San Francisco. And then knee injuries derailed him. He came back. He, I believe his record was 4-0, ERA under three, seven or uh, eight starts total. So not a big sample size. But he had a great year when he pitched in the majors, and he's getting major league hitters out. I gave him – this might be very kind. I gave him a B. You know, I, he didn't pitch a lot, but go ahead. I mean, I think he pitched up – he pitched when he did pitch at the major league level to a B, B-plus level. But I'm going to say incomplete simply because he just didn't quite have enough. But – uh Definitely looking forward to see what he can do uh, healthy. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I love what I saw when he got the opportunities and he was healthy. And just, again, another guy you're hoping for health. And uh, he's he's different. He's weird. You know, he's funky. He's that funky <laughs> The churv. The churv. Yeah. Well, it's not just that. It's everything about his movements. and his the, the leg. Very, yeah, the leg. Funky. Yeah. Uh, as, and he's a lefty. So as you, as a left-hander as well, too many moving parts. Um, it could be, it could be, but I think, again, that's also something he's not a guy that throws 95, 96, 97, 98 miles an hour. So that's part of the reason 
his funkiness is part of the, what makes him successful. So I think yeah. if you get rid of that and he throws the same stuff up there, I don't think you get the same results. So I think that you kind of got to leave that funk in there. Everyone that we just went over on the bubble for the back end of 2024, we'll see what happens. We don't know. Lucchese the guy that I think has the most upside out of whoever we spoke about. Would you agree with that? Well, he's a, he's definitely an unknown, you know, but yeah. we've seen flashes and he's got this little taste of it. Uh, obviously, he's a little understuffed, quote unquote, in this day right. and age. You know, his stuff yeah. isn't quite there, but he does have the funkiness thrown across his body and the, 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 I'm not going to, I'm going to call it awkward movements, but it, it's not awkward for him. You know, that, that feels fluid, fluid to him. So, uh, look forward to seeing him uh, in the spring. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip the next two. We'll do it on another podcast. Cause I'll have more names to go along with that, uh, with, uh, the two left. And we'll just add that to another list, uh, going forward. Cause I would like to move on to another topic here, uh, before we get into the well-known, very popular mailbag, uh, for Bill Pulsifer, uh, what I wanted to talk about real quick is, and I know this is dear to your heart because you played under him, Frank Howard. We lost Frank Howard earlier this week. Uh, Hondo, former manager for one year in 83, coach, two-time coach of the Mets, 300 almost, 380-plus home runs. Uh, you played under him as a Met. He is well-known around baseball as a gentle giant. Tell me how you remember him, anything you want. And rest, rest in peace, Mr. Howard. Absolutely. Yesterday was a sad day um, for baseball, sad day for me, uh, as he was one of the, you know, original guys uh, in my big league career as one of my coaches. Now, obviously, he was a, you know, a first base coach, um, but everybody in that clubhouse is such a family and gentle giant, 100 uh, percent caring, compassionate, friendly. Um, nothing. You never hear a bad word about about Hondo. Yeah. Uh, humble. You know, funny, great stories, uh, consummate professional, um, his, his subtlety of his, his comedy, like you wouldn't really expect it, but he was just, he's sharp as a tack. Um, I often thought about him over the years because I know that I see Bobby Wine every year at fantasy camp, and I know he's, he's getting on in, in years and I know Dallas had passed away a few years back. So, uh, sad day, um, awesome awesome man and uh the baseball community will miss him and uh i miss him already you know yeah Great um, dude. every everything that you just said it, it the the description just sounds like the perfect man you would want to be you know just great at what you do humble funny smart you know never no one has anything bad to say about him uh you know he was 87 years old he lived a great life um, half of it or more probably more in baseball uh, and one, one quick story just for me, I didn't obviously play under him like you. I was what 10 years old. If you remember this, and I'm sure you do back at Shea stadium, they had the, on Sundays, Mets, uh, kids run the bases, yep. at, I believe. And of course, as a, uh, let's say I'm 10 years old. I forget. I was one of the kids. Oh my God. I could run the bases like the big leaguers, Frank Howard in, you know, 94, five, six, uh, he was the coach out there helping chaperoning you know run this way go go make turn here you know have you know for getting to first base and it was always frank howard and i'm this little guy this little kid wearing a sh and like frank howard is what six seven six, eight seven yeah he, he must have looked huge to you right i'm looking up like he's the empire state building <laughs> and you know but like you said he's just directing traffic as a big league coach he was the first base coach like 
And and that was my memory of him. And it's a good memory. That is. That's an awesome story. That's an awesome story. And he took he took coaching first base extremely seriously. And when we were on the road, because obviously first base was the dugout for the uh, the home side at yeah. Shea, and, and at New Shea. Um when we would he would sprint from the third base dugout around the, the catcher's circle, right down the line and sprint out there every single every single inning. And he was in his Shoot, he had to be in his sixties at the time. Yeah. So, uh, and then he'd come back in and he asked me, "Hey, Billy, how am I looking on those lines?" He took he took it dead serious. Now he was half joking, but he sprinted out there every single time, and uh, yeah. he's he was a, a hell of a man. And he will you know, be missed. he will be missed. And as someone who, you know, didn't spend and, and have memories like you did with him, but looking up things about him, you know, there's some really good stories and. Uh, go ahead. I see it. Yeah. Uh, hit the first Rangers home run. Yes. I, so how, I did. See. How fitting that the Rangers are in the, uh, the World Series and he hit the Rangers first home run. He yeah. also hit a ball out of out of Dodger Stadium. I don't know if you've ever been to Dodger Stadium. I have. Yeah. Over the left field bleachers. That's, That's a shot. Yeah. And I was just talking with the guy yesterday. I believe he has. I'm not sure how many seats it is. RFK Stadium. You know how they paint certain seats when you hit a ball. And I yeah. think it's. I don't want to, I don't want to overquote it, but it's, it's a bunch of seats. Most guys, you know, like Ted Williams has the one in, um, in uh, Fenway, which when you see that one, you can't believe how far it is, but he's got like seven, eight or nine more uh, <laughs> at RFK seats where Hondo hit balls. So, yeah. He, he was a power hitter with the average and, you know, all, complete hitter and amazing power. Uh, one last thing about Hondo that I, I saw yesterday and I was, you were talking about his humor there's a video with David Letterman, so it's not hard to find. Just type it on YouTube, I guess. Buck Showalter, Letterman, and Frank Howard. I watched the clip yesterday. Showalter was the manager of the Yankees, so this had to be 94, 95. Yeah. And David Letterman steps into the box, and the skit on Letterman that night was how to take a pitch, uh, hit by pitch. And they had Frank Howard, for whatever reason, being the pitcher. And <laughs> – so you have Buck Showalter, and I'm watching this late at night last night, and it's like Letterman's a left-handed hitter with the helmet on, Yankees uniforms, and you know because Buck was the Yankee manager, and for whatever reason, Frank Howard is the pitcher on David Letterman, and he is plunking the shit out of David Letterman. <laughs> he hit him in the helmet, and then he goes, and I want to ruin it for all of you. He goes, run some dirt on it, you know, like. But and he had little quick lines throughout it. I oh, totally, yeah. totally sharp, recommend man. it. It was, it was, it was a weird, funny video of just Buck Letterman and Frank Howard of all people throwing BP to Letterman. So I'll, I'll give you one quick one because I know we got to get moving here. Yeah, and I've got other ones that I might share with you off air. But um, <laughs> I was known for being a little eccentric and a little little batty when I was first coming up into the major leagues and I injured myself in 95 and in 96, I traveled with the ball club and I was in the weight room one day, uh, working out and Hondo loved being in the weight room, loved working out. And he came over to me and he said, Hey, Billy, when you come back next year, are you going to come down off of Pluto? And I thought that was the funniest thing in the world because he was picking on me for being a little eccentric, a little, a little wacky. So he asked me, if he I called gonna... you out. Yeah. Yeah, but, but in a in, in, a, in a Frank Howard way. Pluto. Yeah, yeah. I could, he wasn't I, wrong. He wasn't wrong. But I, I, hey, if you got the message and didn't take offense to it, it's the perfect way to do it. You know. 
Well, so, if you're gonna if you're gonna dish it and you're gonna be a goofball, you better uh, you better I'm be su- able to take it. I'm sure he could take it. So, uh, rest in peace, Frank Howard, uh, and uh, we'll miss you for sure. Absolutely. Let's get into the mailbag real quick. Um, if you don't know, say hello, uh, say underscore hello every week. We do a mailbag for Bill and I. It's always for Bill. That's okay. And you can ask your questions to the former major leaguer, Bill Postifer, who's right here with us, ready to answer another edition of the mailbag. Every week, you can ask your questions. We read it live on air. So we're going to go. You ready, Bill? I'm ready. Should I start with your boy first, or should I go second? He's, he hit. Careful. We're here. Yeah, we're here. We're good. I got he excited. Hasn't, uh, he hasn't missed a week, so he gets first dibs. All right, first dibs. Ed Y-M-G-I. He writes on our mailbag, um, what or which would, I'm sorry, my handwriting is terrible, would players hold a grudge against Tommy Pham, who had comments about the Mets after he was traded? Would it be awkward for the Mets to bring him back after the comments he made about the Mets now that he's on the Diamondbacks? Yeah, I think the first half of the season, Tommy Pham was probably the best player on the Mets team. Uh, Obviously had some things to say that I hope uh, lights a fire under some guys' asses. Uh, Maybe some changes need to be made. We went over the, the, um, the, the batting practice thing and the nobody Uh going out to warm up. So being called lazy, hopefully lights a fire, but uh, definitely would hold grudges. And I don't believe that it would be a fit because you're asking just for, you're asking for problems. I agree. Uh, 50, 50, I had it before the comments. So, you know, after the comments, I I mean, yeah, uh, but the comments were made and I, I would tend to agree with you. I'm not sure he would want to come back if he feels like it's the same group, you know, I mean, obviously he's had his things going on in the past with him, but I think that maybe he's growing a little bit as well. You saw the gesture the other night where he went four for four in the, yeah, in the yeah. World Series and offered his fifth at bat up with an opportunity to be the first guy to ever get five hits in a World Series game. So maybe he's lived and learned a little bit too. Um, but I, I just don't think that that would be a good fit now after things the things that have been said. I agree with that. And, and just to touch on the four for four, that's a big deal because he was going to come up and to be the first player. I mean, he was four for four. There's a good chance he, he's hot. He's seeing a beach ball out there. He could have been the only player. Five for I mean, five. That's got, a big deal. Got a, couple, got a couple hits last night too. Yeah. So, you know, for him to give it to Jace Peterson as a gesture of, hey, kid, we're up by whatever, eight runs or whatever it was, get your first World Series at bat, you know, respect that, definitely. Absolutely. All right, next question. Thanks, NYMGI. Always there for us. Uh, We have it from Jeff Cohen. Bill, uh, you obviously had talent to make it to the major leagues. Was there a particular coach on any level that connected with you or taught you a pitch or unlocked something in your arsenal? Well, I was, I was lucky growing up. Um, I had uh, a military father who would do whatever it took to, uh, to try to help me uh, achieve my dream. You know, he sent me away to Cuba. Um, where's the little league world series? Oh, Williamsport. Williamsport. He, sent me away. he sent me away when I was 10 years old and 11 years old to uh, two week camps where I was staying in barracks and that at 10, 11 years old. Um, obviously had a lot of great coaches there. Scott Dietze, who was my little league coach. Uh, I'll never forget him. He, you know, uh, so I, I learned the game and how to play another military guy, how to play the game at a very, very young age. Uh, Matt Covington, who played briefly with the Cardinals was a coach of mine in the little league as well. My high school coach, Tom Verbanek, he did whatever he possibly could to try to make us better baseball players. Um, 
different different drills. I remember having ping pong tables folded up and hitting with the broomstick, hitting golf ball, you know, plastic golf balls. And if you want to talk about one pitch that I, he was one, and he wasn't even really a pitching guy, but like I said, he looked into every single possible thing that you could do to try to help guys get better. And I remember throwing tennis can, tennis ball cans, believe it or not, throwing them. This was a drill that he found, throwing the tennis ball can to make the tennis ball can spin end over end. And that was actually what a drill that I remember doing as as a high schooler that helped me um, develop the curveball that I had that unfortunately when I hurt my elbow, it never was quite the same. But I was a two-pitch pitcher coming up through the major leagues. I had no changeup. I threw a fastball that moved all over the place and and a great curveball. So um, I think that I'll use my – my, you know, my high school coach is a guy that kind of gave me something a little extra with a stupid that, little drill. Those are really cool. Uh, never heard about a drill like that with the cans. So I always, that's really cool. I read that. We had, a, we had a whole setup with our indoor practices, man. There was yeah. stages and, you know, different. And every 15 minutes you're going off to another stage, this guy. And he actually is now the winningest coach. And I think he just recently retired in, uh, in Virginia baseball history. That, high school. Wait, that's exactly where I was going with. Did, was he also David Wright's coach? No, 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 no. Oh. David Wright was down from the southern, southern okay. part of because the country. I, I, mean, I read, state. I read David Wright's memoir or autobiography, and he had a coach coming up around like the time you were, who had all these unorthodox type of drills that yeah. helped David and all that. Same and thing, it sounds same very same, very, yeah. very similar. So, yep. uh, good question. Thank you. Uh, uh, Jake yeah. and or not yeah. Jake. Jake. Jake is our next question. Uh, Jeff. Well, Jeff's in there every week too, man. I see Jeff in there. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is a big fan of our podcast. He also has a podcast. Let's pump awesome. up him about uh, baseball and barbecue. That's oh, his yeah. podcast. That's right. Uh, so uh, good question, Jeff. And let's go to Jake. This is a funny one. I, I laughed when I read it. Uh, for Bill, I had the Generation K poster on my wall growing up. How would you rate your goatee one through ten? On that poster, we you know the poster I'm referring to. Yeah, I'm going to say this. I haven't seen that poster in a long time, but I'm going to tell you the amount of time that I spent in the mirror at that age making sure that my sideburns and my goatee were on point, I'm going to say that it was probably an 11. Wow. Yeah. All these years later, you still think 11 out of 10? It was probably That's... fire. Believe me, my obsessive compulsive in the mirror making sure that thing was perfect. Okay, I, I'm going to be honest. Your goatee? was 10 out of 10 because I'm, I'm saying 11 out of 10. It was, Oh, I know. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's your goatee for, but I never looked at the sideburns. Now I have to, well, we're, we're done here. I'm going right uh, Look, on Google. Uh, you'll, find, you'll be able to find a photo of me in, uh, yep. in 2000, a spring training where you can see that the sideburns, there was probably between the goatee and the end of the sideburns was probably about, a half an inch at most, but there was definitely a break between the sideburn and the and the goatee. I was obsessed goatee. about that. That okay, your goat your goatee was on point. I never paid attention to the sideburn so much. I'm gonna go find that uh, right away, and it won't be hard. Those were the times: goatee and sideburns, especially sideburns in the late '90s, early 2000s. So nine oh two one oh had a big influence on us, didn't it? It really did. Dylan McKay and Brandon Walsh That's with right. sideburns. Great question, Jake. Thank you for that. And Bill, all these years later, stands by that his sideburns goatee, 11 out of 10. 11 out of 10. Last question, because uh, we got to wrap this baby up. Mets girl, uh, 88NYM, 
Bill, if you had to redo one moment in your career, if any, what would it be? Oh my God. I mean, where do we, we, we like you said, we were trying to wrap this up. Yeah, uh, I know. I could probably should have started with that one. Days about regrets and things that I would do different. One thing I would like to do different was not blow my elbow out and, and see how things, because obviously that was a real a game changer for me. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could keep going. I made so many mistakes in my life uh, and, and on the field, off the field. Uh, we don't need to get into that, but uh, I would have liked to have seen to be able to stay healthy a little bit longer, you know, and then the yes. Yankees not start winning the world series every year. That yeah, yeah. That might've changed some things. Yeah. And, and if everyone listening doesn't know why Bill says about the Yankees, it's because how the Mets went about their business because of the Yankees. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and young pitching. Yes. So Thanks. there you go. Yep. Right. So, totally agree. You know, growing up watching it as a fan. Yep. Um, that's going to end the mailbag edition of this week's uh, episode, number 13. Amazing how we've gotten here. I want to thank everybody who participated with the questions. If you have any questions, we will post it from uh, Shay underscore hello on what Bill calls formerly Twitter, X. And uh, thanks uh, to everyone who uh, had questions for Bill today. Let's get really quick into quick pitches. That's why we call it quick. These are three questions that I rattle off to Bill. He does not know what's coming. And he gives us his raw, honest answers. You ready, Bill? I'm ready. All right. You don't have to name drop here, but what player drank everyone else out on the road? Bill Pulsifer. Okay. <laughs> I did not think you were going to say that, but. Drank, uh, out drank everyone? Out drank. Bill Pulsifer. Okay. I'm I, not going to throw anybody else under the bus. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I said you don't have to. I'll um, take the, I'll take it. Bill okay. Pulsifer did. Bill like to drink on the road. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, that's what the road is for. It, it's young guys who, you know, are out having a good time. Bill has, he, yeah, that's, I love it. Thanks for that answer. You're welcome. As minor league broadcaster who was around that age, I did it too. <laughs> so um, next question or quick pitch, if you will. Do you have any advice and what would be the advice for a 13-year-old pitcher wanting to make it? in the big leagues or college, what, what have you? Well, I would say you got to love it. You, uh, if you want to play in the big leagues, you can't just like it. You know, you got to love it. And if you don't love it, um, it's probably not going to be for you. Um, yeah, obviously you got to have the talent in this day and age, go find a good pitching instructor, preferably somebody that played at a higher level. There's a lot of guys out there that, uh, you know, didn't like, play, like didn't you. Play, well, there's a lot of guys out there that are making a good living off of baseball that didn't really play that far. But for somebody me like me who pitched for 20 years professionally in seven different seasons in the major leagues, I can yeah. tell you a lot more about pitching than a guy that can read a rap soto. There's a difference between throwing lessons and pitching lessons. But uh, you got to work hard. You got to love it. Passion. So okay, you got to love it. There's your there's your answer. Last one. Who would play you in a movie? What actor? And if you have a name for the movie, what would it be? Let's start with the who would play Bill Pulsifer. You could take your time with this. Well, who would who would play Bill? I would always uh, would like to have had Will Ferrell play Bill Pulsifer. Okay. And uh, would, who's what's the, the actor from uh, Eastbound and Down? Oh, McBride? Kenny Powers. McBride. Yeah. yeah. You talking uh, Kenny Powers, the Kenny character? Powers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, his name, his real name is I I'm forgetting. McBride. Yeah. Okay. And what would the name be? If you had to give your let, let's say. It's a movie about Bill Pulsifer. So the, movie, the it, movie, the name of the movie would be What the Hell Happened? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. It's a, it's just a great. It's it's. I think the name is good because it would draw people to go watch it's it. Also, which uh, revenue uh, for you? It's an old SNL line. What the hell happened? That's a Will Ferrell. Yep. Old, yeah. So I want Will and, Ferrell to play me, and it's going to be called "What the Hell Happened." I'll have my people call your people to call Will Ferrell's people and make this happen. Let's okay? do it. All Let's right. Do it. That, that wraps up the quick pitches. Uh, great answers, Bill. I uh, didn't expect any of them. Well, maybe the second one it was a little easy, but uh, Will Farrell, Bill Pulsifer, uh would drink anyone out under the table on the road when he was younger. And, uh, you know, mailbag was great as always. That's going to wrap up, amazingly, episode number 13 on the Say Hello podcast. Bill, 13 in the books. Amazing, right? That's amazing. Time has flown. Seems like we just started. It really does, and we're just getting started. Mets don't have a manager, the GM, or basically a team. So it's only going to – news is only going to get uh, – hit us very quickly. Heavy. Yeah. yeah heavy. So with that being said, I want to thank our producer, Stephen White. Check out his website, roots-recordings.com, and his podcast, Cold Pop Cast. Uh, I want to thank everybody watching on YouTube at Shea Hello Media and wherever you get your podcasts. We are there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, whatever, wherever we are there. Shea Hello Podcast is what you have to type in. Uh, any uh, last words, Bill, as we say goodbye to episode 13 and continue to watch the World Series? Um, let's let's hope for a game seven. Uh, happy Halloween to everybody. I know this is going to come out a little after Halloween. Hope everybody had a great Halloween. Thanks for the questions, guys, every week. I appreciate it. I enjoy it. And uh, thank you, Casey, for the questions, too, and allowing me to embarrass myself. I appreciate it. That's why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. Thank you. Everybody, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, most importantly, to everybody listening, watching. watching. This has been another edition of the Shea Low Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your animals. Until next time, be safe out there and have a great rest of your day, everybody.